Our Bible reading today are three. The first one is from Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 to 2. Isaiah 59, verses 1 to 2. Let's hear the word of God. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. The second reading is from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And the third reading is from the epistle of James, chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here are our readings. If the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, then there can be an ineffective sluggish prayer of an unrighteous man which will have no fruits, no effects. Is that not so? As I was preparing for this message, I read the Gospel of John chapter 14, 15, 16 and I was amazed at the many times Jesus was now telling his disciples that they should ask things in his name. They can ask everything in his name and he will do it. I was wondering, is it because he was about to die that he was saying those things? For example, in John 15, 9, 15 verses 9 to 11, he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And listen, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may, be, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wanted his joy to remain in us and that our joy may be full. Then in John 16, 24 to 26, he says, Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. From these sayings, I understand that Jesus wanted his joy to be in us 
and for our joy to be full. How come that as Christians we walk about sorrowful, carrying so much burden, we don't appear happy. But as our Lord desire was that his joy will be in us and our own joy will be full. It's an interesting thing. Brother Cyril, please come. Brother Prince, come. Stand opposing yourselves. Stand against each other. Face each other. Which soccer team do you support? What? Kotoko. Kotoko. Yes. <laughs> and you? House of Oak. House of Oak. <laughs> House of Lion. House of Lion. Pando, House of Lion. You are from Pando. Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey. Okay. Pastor Shabo. Do you support Kotoko or House of Lion? Heart of Lions. Go here. <laughs> Burma. Boating. Which support? Which team will you support? Kotoko or House of Lions? House of Oak. House of Oak. House of Oak. Oni ya Omobiwa. Which team will you support? No, the the lady. Kotoko, you are supporting your husband. Come and stand by your husband. Now, brethren, in a soccer match, these are only two. There should have been 22 players. They are four. But they should have been 11-11. The purpose of Prince and Sister Safia will be to score a goal against Cyril and Pastor Shabo in soccer. Is that not so? Your purpose to is to score a goal against them. Is that true? So as you try to go and score a goal, what would they do to you? Try to go forward and see. You prevent him. You block him for scoring a goal. Wow. What will you do for him? You move together. You will help him. You defend him to score a goal. Fine. Stand there. All I'm trying to say is that, oh, please sit down. Let's give them a clap. In the simple soccer match, your aim is to score a goal. But on that same field are people whose desire is to oppose you so that you will not score, but they will score. So that the opposing team will block you, they'll prevent you from scoring. But the players on your side, they will do that. What? They will help you. They'll promote you so that you score. This is also true when it comes to prayer. Because in prayer we have beings and humans who are with us and those who are against us. Those for us promote us. Those against us prevent us. Today, we're going to treat a very interesting subject blockers and promoters of prayer. And it is intended to inform us and to remind us to pray more effectively. Because if the prayer of effective prayer of a righteous man avails much, 
then the reverse can also be true. First, let's just do some definitions. What is a blocker? A blocker is anything that prevents, a substance that prevents or inhibits a given function. Its duty is to make sure that you will not achieve what you want to achieve. For example, if it is raining now, and Sister Osla, if it's raining heavily, and you decide to go out as you are dressed, what will happen to you? You will get wet. You'll be drenched, full, wet. Now, if Sister Osla decides to put on raincoats and goes outside, and it rains and rains and rains, will she be wet? Why? Because, because the, the raincoat rain is blocking the water from getting to her to wet her. Okay? So the raincoat is what? A blocker. Now, what is a promoter? A promoter is anything that supports or aids your cause. So, let us say I'm going back to the blocker. Let us say that we want to create a fire here. And um, Sister Pat decides that she's going to put water on the fire. Will the fire continue? It will quench it. It will block you so much so that the fire will die. Okay? Good. Now, what is so that water is a blocker or a preventer or inhibits fire? True? Now, when it comes to the same fire, and Sister Osla and um, let's say Sister Irene decide to go and pour petrol on it, what will happen? They are pouring petrol on fire. What will happen? Fire. More, more fire. fire. What? More fire. The fire will fire more. So, the petrol promotes fire. It enhances, it encourages fire. So it's a promoter of fire. Now, what is prayer? From Britannica, Britannica.com, prayer essentially is when humans appeal to the supernatural for something. So when we are praying as Christians, it is actually a communication, the meeting place of humanity with the divinity. Okay? Please note that it's not only Christians who pray. Even people who worship demons pray. So you can pray to God or you can pray to a demon. This is an aside, but I want that to be very clear. If you decide that you want to pray so that somebody prospers, grows, and all things go on well for the person, and the will of God is done in the life of that person, you are pray praying a good prayer. That's what God wants. That prayer is in accordance with the will of God. Okay? But if you decide that you want to pray, and you are praying such that the person should be killed 
everything of it should be destroyed. And or, or, or I mean, you are killing, stealing, and destruction for that person. What are you doing? Are you praying for that person or cursing the person? In that respect, you are actually praying. It's a, it's a demonic prayer you are praying. Okay? Now, there's something very interesting. If you live according to the words of God, the word of God dwelling in you, such that you love, you think well of somebody, you don't hold any grudge about the person, it is difficult for you to curse that person. Okay? On the other hand, if you are full of envy, unforgiveness, bitterness, your prayer for that person won't work to God's pleasure. And so it won't work. However, because it is a demonic prayer, and you have d- demonic desires, demons will do that. And you will answer for it. For every thought that comes to your mind will be affected by angels or demons. So we have godly prayers and demonic prayers. Which prayer are you praying? All of them can be blocked. And all of them can be promoted depending on your nature. I hope, I hope we are clear. Good. We're going to start with blockage, blockers of or hindrances to prayer. And I will mention eight blockers. There are several, but I will pick eight. All these look negative. But if you look at it, each of them, you can have the opposite of it. In fact, the opposite of all the blockers become promoters. Okay? So after we go through the eight, definitely we would have seen the reverse of them as being promoters. Number one. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Interestingly, ask. A is ask. S is seek. And K is knock. In fact, when you are praying, you are asking, you are seeking something from God, you are knocking on the gates of heaven. Jesus said what? Ask, and it will be given to you. And James, in James 4, 2 said, you have not because you ask not. So the first blocker to prayer is that we don't pray. What did I say? We don't what? Pray. Or we don't ask. It's as simple as that. That's number one. But why is it that people don't pray? Why is it that people don't ask? Because number one, they don't know how to pray, maybe. They will say they are weak in the flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. They lack moral discipline. Prayer is actually a discipline. You have to exercise, do it, and becomes a part of you. 
They don't have time. They are too busy to pray. It's not their priority. And because they do not seek the spirit of prayer, the spirit of prayer is the Holy Spirit which helps us to pray. So why don't people pray? Because why don't they pray? I've given, but why are they blocking? They are blocking because they are not asking. If you don't ask, will you receive? You will not receive. So if you ask, it means you will receive. That's what Jesus said. So that is point number one. Point number two, or blocker number two, having wrong motives, desiring wrongly. James chapter 4 verse 2 to 3 says, you lust and do not have. You murder and convert and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. We just said about that. Now listen, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. Why? He answered it in the next verse, chapter 3, a verse 3, that because you want to spend it on your own pleasures to satisfy yourself. So number two, we ask wrongly. Why is it wrong? Because we are only seeking to please ourselves, to satisfy our lusts. And for most of us carnal, who are carnal, what happens is that you want to satisfy your carnal nature. Galatians 5, 19 to around 21. The works of the flesh, their fornication, adultery, sorcery, strife. If you want to pray, for these purposes, you have a wrong motive. And so God does not answer that. Does that mean we should not ask for anything at all? The thing is that scripture tells us that God wants us to ask him whatever we desire. I remember in Genesis, in Matthew 10, 6, 10, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said that, so that my father will be glorified in you. In a sense, in the same Matthew 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All other things will be added unto you. So you can ask wrongly by trying to satisfy only your lusts or pleasures. But if you seek the will of God and his righteousness, every other thing will become will be yours. Put another way. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So if you seek that which God seek for you, if you seek his righteousness, 
if you seek his will on earth as it is in heaven, your will will be approved in heaven and it will be done. So, let's check our motives when we pray. Number three. Doubt. Doubting God. Not believing God. Hebrews says that anyone who comes to God might believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder to them that believe in him. So if you go to pray and you don't believe that what you are praying for will come, you are doubting. In fact, James says a doubter has double mind and he is like a self going up and down and such a person is unstable and will not get anything from God. Doubt. Do you believe that God can intervene in your life through prayer? If you doubt, forget it. It won't work. I recall we were watching the program's progress sometime earlier this year. And one of the things I remember very well was when Christian was saved, he was given a key called the key of promise. He kept it and he forgot why he kept it. And then he was caught by giant despair and imprisoned in the castle of doubts. They whipped him, beat him, disturbed him until he remembered that he had a key called promise, the promise of God. He used the key, put it in the gate and it opened. Doubt will always come. As a matter of fact, don't think every thought in your head is your own. Satan plans thoughts. They can create doubt so that you don't believe God. And when you are uncertain, confusion, you don't trust God, nothing happens to you. So what do you do? You've got to believe. Doubt, the opposite of doubt is believe, to have faith. In fact, Numbers chapter 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said it, and he will, he will he not do it, or has he spoken and will he not make his word good? God is not a man. He's not like us. He does what he says he will do. Said that in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, it is said that now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything at all in his name, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that that position has been answered by him. That is faith. So, the third thing is doubt. But the thing that promotes prayer is faith. Watch your doubts. When thoughts come through your mind, know that Satan may be trying to deceive you. The answer, the response to, that, to doubt is faith. And faith only comes through the word. In fact, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That leads us to the fourth barrier. 
The fourth barrier is people ignore the scriptures or they are indifferent to the word of God. Proverbs 28 and verse 9 reads, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. If one turns his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So, if you don't value scripture, you don't study scripture, you will just take it for granted. How will you know the will of God? How will you know how to do things that please him? You will not know. And so you can have doubts, you can have wavering minds. No wonder. Scripture also says that keep the word of God in your heart. Meditate on it day and night and everything will go on right for you. But all these are possible when you know scripture. If you don't know scripture, you'll be doubtful. You'll be wavering and it's a blockage for you. However, if you know scripture, you are blessed. Why? Because it's a promoter. When Jesus was attacked, in quotes, by Satan, tempting him, what did he do? He quoted scripture to defend himself. When doubt comes, the key of promise is scripture. You must know your scriptures. Barrier number four, ignoring scripture. You do it at your own peril. Thanks be to God. Let's study scripture. Let's meditate on, on it. Let's discuss it. And let's put it in practice. No wonder. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they don't read. They don't search the scripture. They don't dive deep into it. Christ has searched the scriptures. It is they that testify of me. So what should we do? Should we ignore scripture? We should eat it. Munch it. Meditate on it. Number five barrier is having an unforgiving spirit. Here, both in Mark and in Matthew, Jesus says something. Let me pick the one from Matthew 6, 14 to 15. We read, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's what Jesus was saying. And he goes on further in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, that Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. In other words, Jesus is trying to say, tell us that We must be forgiving for ourselves to be forgiven. And if we are coming to offer something to him, coming to God, 
Because of the very act of unforgiveness in us, we are repulsive to God. We have been forgiven and we have the spirit of reconciliation. Why do we keep grudge? Church, as we sit here, I'm wondering how many of us within this assembly have grudge against one another. And we have come here to pray. Scripture is saying that if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Am I saying it? Scripture is saying it. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Please obey God. Forgive. Do what? Forgive. So if you are here, and there's somebody here you are conflicting with, you're holding bitterness against, in the name of God, drop your bitterness. Forgive so that you will also be forgiven. In Jesus' name. Let's listen to Jesus again. Luke 17, 1 to 4. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you again, seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ's sake has forgiven you. Indeed, forgiving helps us. It takes loads from us. If there's something you don't, somebody you don't like, when you see the person, you can see how you are feeling. You are boiling. Nobody is putting hot water on you, but you are angry. When you forgive, you become lighter. And you can approach God because that barrier is gone. Number six. Having unconfessed sin in our life. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And Azad make it clear that God's ear is blocked because of our iniquity, because of our sin. There's nothing you can do about that. Unconfessed sin is a major block. What do you do with it? If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sin, it's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Go to the cross. Confess that sin. Let it be washed by the blood of Jesus and turn away from that. Be careful. Sometimes we cling to sins. 
You enjoy doing the thing. You chase it and you do it. And you enjoy it. And you are going to confess and you keep on doing that. You are deceiving yourself, not God. If it's something, a one-off thing that happens, all of us can fall. But we have to rise again, looking at the promises. Let's be careful. Confess everything you have so that the blockade will be removed. Number seven. Is discord in whom? Discord in the whom? Sami and um, Dela, you are welcome. According to First Peter, chapter three, one to seven. A woman must subject herself to the man. If she doesn't do that and she contends with the man, it becomes a problem for her and it blocks her prayer. It further says that we men should deal with women according to knowledge. Women are different from us. We should understand their cycles and other things. And according to knowledge, deal, relate with them. If not, it will hinder our prayers. That is what 1 Peter 3, 24 is saying. As a matter of fact, there is great power when two people who are married pray. It shakes in the spiritual realm. Amen. Because of that, Satan will do everything to bring confusion so that you will not work together. Because he's afraid of the outcome if you are one. Would you permit him to... But why are we permitting him? A little anger in the house. You won't talk to the man again. You two are snubbing the wife. You are promoting, promoting Satan. Not God. Forgive. Let not the sun go down on your anger. In fact, scripture says... The man should leave the family and cleave to his wife so that the two become one. When you are one, thinking one, planning one, working together, you are strong. Can two work together unless they are agreed? And the scripture have made us know that one would chase a thousand, ten, ten thousand. And the family is the basic unit of the house. Of the, the home is the basic unit of the family. Don't permit Satan to destroy your marriage. Roger, you heard what I said. You will do everything to bring confusion. Don't permit anything. Fight for your marriage. Right now, after church, if you have fought with your husband or wife, you just said what? Forgive. 
call the person and try to put yourselves together. In that case, that power that God has given to us will be in your hand to use for good and not to destroy yourself and your children and the family. As a matter of fact, even though I'm using this with respect to the marriage couple here, even as we are here, we are family. This is a home. And if there's discord here, our prayers will be hindered. If you come to choir practice and amongst yourselves you are fighting and talking against each other and you pray, it's hindered. If we are prayer warriors and we go and meet and we are talking about some other people, judging them rather than praying for them, we are blocking our prayers. Discord in the home, discord in the family is not required. And number eight is satanic resistance. Prayer, lady, prayer is not only asking and receiving from God. It is a battle. Know that it's a battle. Two teams opposing each other. You want things to go well for you, so you glorify God. There's a team there who would not like you to do that. Ephesians 6 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers. These are in the heavenly realms, and they have their agents on earth. That is why, for example, Daniel, when he prayed, Daniel chapter 10, it took 21 days for him to get a response. Why? Because there was a satanic resistance. The prince of Persia came to resist, to block the prayer. Prayer is a battle. And we must understand that as long as these blockers are there, we are giving advantage to Satan. We should use the promoters. So, satanic resistance. The only way you can tackle this satanic resistance is to submit yourself to God and resist him. That's what the word of God says. And you can resist him when you know the word, when you submit, when you are in Christ. Otherwise, you will fall. So briefly, we've looked at number one inhabitor, in, blocker, not praying, not asking. Number two, asking wrongly. Number three, doubting. Number four, ignoring the word. Number five, unforgiveness. Number six, unconfessed sins. Number seven, discord in the family. And number eight, satanic resistance. All of these, like we said, when you look at the blocker, it's opposite, it's a promoter. There is something else I will add on, and I will be coming to a conclusion. 
the promoters. In Luke 11, verses 5 to 10, Jesus tells a story about a man, if I say parable, who got a visitor at night. And this man goes to his friend around midnight and knocks on the door. His friend says, what are you doing? Why are you disturbing? He says, I've got a visitor. I need three loaves of bread. Give it to me so that I'll give it to my guests. So look, I've locked the door. I'm sleeping with my children. But this man persisted. Finally, because he's his friend and he, don't want, he doesn't want to be disturbed, he gave him the loaves of bread. So, the other promoters I'll add on is persistence. When you pray, persist. You can see that when Daniel's prayer was delayed, he continued to pray for 21 days. When Elijah prayed for water, rain to come, he just didn't say, let the rain come and he came. No. Scripture says he prayed seven times. He persisted till it rained. So let's persevere in prayer. At this point, I pray that God should give us the spirit of discernment. Because sometimes some doors are open for God when we ask because it is good for us. Some doors are closed because they are not good for you. In fact, some doors might not be open. If they are open, you will destroy yourself because you can't manage what comes out of it. So when we pray, let's ask also for discernment and wait for God's own time for the responses. The second thing is... Our prayer should be purposeful. It should be purposeful. The man went to look for loaf of bread. Elijah prayed for rain. Daniel was praying so that he would understand the things that are happening and are about to come. We are human. We have all types of cares. Maybe someone is here who has not even eaten this morning and he does not know where he will get money to buy food. You're having challenges with your children, with your business partners, many things. My scripture says, cast your curse upon him for he cares for you. And Jesus said, I've given you my name. You are my friends. Ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you as long as you do it according to the will of God and for his glory. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's Jesus speaking. He goes on to say that Philippians 4, 6-7 Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will garrison or keep your hearts. So anything disturbing you, you can bring it to God. As long as you are not thinking something bad against a brother, satanic prayer 
and the peace of God will respond to that. I hope that is clear. In fact, that leads us to the last part of the promoters. We should treat God personal. That man went to his friend. Felicia, Sherry, I'm sure if I come to you and ask for something, if for nothing at all, because I'm your husband, you'll give it to me. Please sit down. Pastor Ashoba, you are my friend. So I can call you and ask you for something. If you have, you give it to me. If you don't, you say, actually, this one I don't have. Be personal with God. Two people in the scripture. Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses, they say he could talk to God face to face. David, they say he was a man after God's own heart. Be personal with God. Be intimate with him. Then you can go with him with everything and anything. And if you ask according to his will, he will do it. That's a promise for us. The last promoter of prayer. Let's look at Romans 8 and 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But, spirit, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot be uttered. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of prayer, the chief promoter of prayer. And it is important that you receive the Holy Spirit and be filled with him. And when you are speaking in tongues, things that happen, you can't understand. The air will shake. The air shakes in your favor. God bless us all. Amen. Mm. Jesus. Thank you. Now, brothers and sisters, number one, are you not asking? Are you not praying? If you are not, you are hurting yourself. Prayer, as we have known, is the link between heaven and earth. And things that happen on earth happen there in the heavens, in the heavenlies, before they happen on earth. Why shortchange yourself? Why don't you take opportunity of that to make sure your joy is complete, as Jesus said? Are you asking wrongly? You know how to answer right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you doubting? Read scripture. Study scripture. Meditate on scripture. Apply scripture. What you have to learn to do, you learn by what? Doing. Study it and apply it. Are you having an unforgiving spirit? 
you are disturbing yourself. Discord in the family, in at home, you are losing power. Satanic resistance is always all around. But in everything we have victorious because of him that dwells in us is greater than he that is in the world. But this comes from knowledge and application of that knowledge. So my brothers and sisters, this morning we've looked at eight things that block our prayers and eight ways to reverse that plus four more which will enhance as promoters. Shall we please stand? And I ask you in the name of Jesus, mm. set your hearts. Jesus. Before Papa takes over, do you have bitterness against anybody? Do you have an unconfessed sin? Go to Jesus now. He's here. Pray for forgiveness. And release people who have offended you. Mm. Pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. We come before you knowing that we are the sinners. Blood of Jesus, oh God. Knowing that we pull grievance, of Jesus, offense against of people. Which is not your will. Your righteousness, oh God. We ask the blood Father, for purging, for cleansing. As we stand here, Lord, we are sorry, Lord. In every area we submit of our to your life, will. God. Forgive us. Whatever that we and have give us done the grace to, humanity, to forgive. To human that you have for giving that to us, it Knowing is by our will that we forgive. In thought, indeed, in words. That's why you in are asking us to so forgive. God. You will not forgive we for us. Forgive we should us forgive. So you have given us so even God. the grace. So, in the name of Jesus, we take this next step to forgive everybody who has offended us according to your will. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Amen.